This has been the passage that we've been in for the last four or five weeks. Um, in fact, let's read it together. This will be the last time we read it all together. Uh, let's start at the top. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released and that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And then shortly after that, Jesus says this, say it with me, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This moment in Nazareth that we've talked about for the last four or five weeks is, is a pretty powerful moment. Jesus is saying that these things are true that they're true. And all of us who are thinking and people, we observe the world, we see the headlines, we have friends, we live our own lives. We find ourselves stuck in between this sort of now and not yet. I mean, it's kind of true, but some of us are still captive. It's kind of true, but some of us are still dealing with some issues that feel like they won't be completely dealt with or they won't go away or maybe we won't be all healed until the kingdom comes in all of its fullness. And yet, we could all point to moments where we have tasted a bit of this. And Jesus has the audacity, and he even has the the foresight and the prophetic imagination to say out loud to his friends and family and his hometown that this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And so, the thing we've been wrestling with through this series is, is this true? Is it really true? Because honestly, many people who follow Jesus, sometimes me, I read this and I think, boy, it just doesn't feel true today. It just doesn't. There's just so, so much mess. There's so much undone. There's so much that is still broken, it feels, that isn't very fixed. And every one of these contrasts, captives and free and blind who see and oppressed who are set free, Everyone has a, a now and not yet feeling to it. And yet, there are moments when we get glimpses of how God is at work and how some of these things can be true. And so how do we live with that tension? Also, how do we participate in this becoming true? Because Jesus, at one point, said the most crazy thing to his followers. He said this. He said, you, you see what I've done? You see the things I've been doing? He says, I tell you the truth, you are going to do greater things than I have ever done. And I read that and I think, I've never raised anybody from the dead. I've never healed anybody. I have no idea. What does he even mean? And I believe, after years of pondering and considering the words of Jesus in that instance, I believe he's saying this, that, that when we enact the truth of the gospel in the lives of the people around us, this becomes true. And Jesus was stepping into a new age, this age, this epic, this year of the Lord's favor. But as Jesus spoke these words, the death on the cross hadn't happened, the resurrection hadn't happened, the the full, complete understanding of the power of the gospel, the conquering of death, that hadn't occurred. But you and I, we know the truth. We step into that every day. We can, we can. And I believe that's what Jesus was referring to when he said, you're, you're going to do greater things than me. And so, everything that we've talked about for the last four or five weeks really builds to today and a few things I want you to take with you and some understanding about one other area of the life of our church that we would like for you to consider investing some time and energy in. 
So if I want you to take anything from this series, it's, it's this thing here, that this idea that the Advent season, this Advent season, God's inviting us to do these three things. And I'll leave them up there for a little while and we'll go back to the passage a bit, but I want to paint a picture of what this means. What we hope from the very beginning is that every one of us would remember that there would be something in this passage that would remind us of us coming to Christ and the ways in which we were blind and now we see. Maybe the way your values were these, but now you've replaced them with more Christ-like or godly values. Maybe a way that you were oppressed, but now you're not oppressed anymore. We remember, and we remember that God met us in that place when we were blind or when we were in a place where we didn't understand freedom, where we were given freedom from our egos or the tyranny of what we want. And so when Jesus says these words, my hope has been that you would see yourself in these words. I see myself in these words a thousand different ways. And when we do, then we hear that Jesus says that this scripture is fulfilled, then I, I could tell you a dozen different stories in my own life where this is true for me. And it happened, and it happened, and it happened, and it happens again and again. That I've experienced the Lord's favor, and these analogies, these comparisons and contrasts that Jesus describes have happened in my own heart and mind. I wonder if that's true for you, if you've been able to do that. We've talked about it several weeks, and my hope is that the Holy Spirit has gently reminded you along the way that, hey, you know what? There was that time, remember that deal? Remember that way that you used to think, or that habit you used to have, or that way you used to see the world, or how you understood God? We see that God sets us free, and that he changes us. It's who we were. And so we remember and then we want to grow. The problem with conversion terminology in the church, you know, that I was blind but now I see, it's in a lot of our songs, it's in a lot of our theology. The problem with conversion theology or conversion language is that there's this sense of arrival that, you know, that's who I was. I'm not that anymore. You know, if they, thank goodness I'm not a dirty, rotten sinner like some of you, you know. Um, there is this sense that, we have finally made it. And of course, this is not very helpful to discipleship or growth. And so our hope has been that through this series, there have been moments where you have thought, you know, I, I still am a bit oppressed in this way, or I, there's some things that I don't see. In fact, the truth is, we don't know what we don't know. We don't at all. And so we pray the simple prayers of the Psalms. Lord, help me to find my way. Show me what I don't know. I mean, we don't want to be like the people of Nazareth, right? Jesus showed up at Nazareth and he said, well, a prophet has no uh, honor in his hometown. I can't do the things here that I've done in other places. And it would have been great if the people of Nazareth have said, well, what do you mean? Why not? Why can't you? We, we believe. We believe. I mean, I, we get it. We saw you when you were a kid and, you know, we wiped your nose and folks change your diaper in the nursery. I mean, it's hard to believe your God, but I mean, we've seen some pretty incredible things. So, you know, Lord, help us with our unbelief. But they didn't. They took him to the edge of the town and wanted to throw him off a cliff because he pointed out places in their life and in their heart where they need to grow. And so I, I hope you remember and I hope you grow I hope you see something in this passage that represents the not yet part for you. That there's some 
ground to cover. There's a place where you understand where God's leading you. You're not even sure if you want to go there or not. Maybe a, a hardness of your heart or a reluctance or maybe just confusion, whatever it is. All that means is that we haven't arrived yet. It means that we haven't been completed yet. It means there's some distance to go. And so my hope is that we would grow and that we would remember. But really, every week of this series, we've tried to highlight something that we want you to participate in. And this is probably the most important thing. Look, if you want your hope to diminish, then focus on your small world and your little life and your seemingly insurmountable problems. And I'm not saying they're not, they probably are. But if you put your attention there, then your hope will atrophy, it will shrink, it will just dissipate and eventually disappear. But if you want your hope to grow, then you'll remember and you'll grow, but then you'll participate. Meaning, there are ways in which this scripture is true, a thousand different ways. And when you invest your time, your energy, your resources, your heart and your mind in those directions, your hope begins to grow. You begin to think, I mean, I see the headlines, but I see people changing. I see good things happening. I see that God is at work in these ways. I see lives being transformed. I see people experiencing grace and mercy. I see love actually change somebody's heart and instead of being bitter, withholding, they're open-handed and open-hearted. All of these things, to, to grow and to remember and to participate, they all connect together. The word for remember that is used most in the Old Testament is the Hebrew word zakar. And this word zakar is most often used of a variety of people, but it's most often used of God remembering. It's very interesting that the writers of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, would reference God remembering because God doesn't forget. His memory is perfect. Yet, there's a moment in Genesis, for example, when Moses is riding on the floodwaters and the writer of Genesis says, and God remembered Noah course he hadn't forgotten about Noah but then something unique happens and then the waters began to recede in fact almost always when this word remembers a car is used there is a associated action with it that is redemptive in nature and so it means to remember but then it also means to move physically resource wise heart wise energy wise move redemptively in powerful ways. And so, when we think about this passage and all the things that God is doing, that Jesus said in the first century, this is happening, this has been fulfilled, we remember how God has redeemed us, we still are being redeemed, and that helps us to participate and move redemptively into what God's up to. In other words, we can't believe that God loves us this much, and so we can't help but love people the same way and move in these same ways and use our time and energy in these ways. And that's what we want you to do. So it doesn't matter to us whether you're helping vets deal with their PTSD and 
working at a dude ranch. It doesn't matter to us if you are engaging with our refugee ministry or, or helping Wellspring absolutely bring the kingdom of God to people that are most often overlooked and forgotten and disregarded. What matters most is that we participate in this, that God has called you to move in this direction. And so when this passage comes true for us, amazing things occur. So we've saved one of the best for last, one of the most local and impactful ministries that we would love for you to get a glimpse of. We talk about it often, but not enough, and we don't give you the scope of what's happening in this context very often, so we're gonna spend a little time doing that today. And we want you to hear a little bit about our food bank, which happens in partnership with Crops, Do Only Good. Um, Crops stands for, uh, well, we'll let Scott tell us. Scott Stevens, come on up and tell us. And uh, would you welcome Scott to the stage? And uh, Scott um, gets to enjoy his day because we did not make Lynn come up to the stage, but we are going to make her stand up. This is Scott's better half right back here. Lynn, would you stand up? Yeah, yeah. Thank her. And so we love the partnership that we have with you and the food bank and the Castle Rock outreach programs. And Do Only Good is the nonprofit that Scott started years ago. And so we get to connect with them. A lot of people don't know the story behind the food bank and how it ended up here at Castle Oaks. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, several years ago, I used to work at um, a food bank in Parker. It was called Secor, And I uh, worked over there for a little while. And I um, had an accident over there and wasn't allowed to work over there anymore. Um, I had a forklift fall off the back of a semi-truck across my legs and crushed my left leg and snapped my right ankle. So I wasn't able to perform those duties anymore over there. So I um, still had a heart for wanting to serve others. So the connections that I had um, through working over at SeaCore, I was able to still um, acquire food. And I found a food bank in Centennial, which you're familiar with um, that one up there at the Covenant Church up there, and they had a, another offspring church in there called um, Inversion. So Inversion um, had a food bank there, and so I started bringing my food over there that I brought, um, and yeah, it's, did that for about three years, and got to the point where um, I was blessed one day to walk in there and see, I mentioned this at our wedding, um, I met an angel, um, uh, Lynn. <laughs> Sorry about that. Anyways, um, she's changed my life, and we've um, started doing the food bank here. So um, when Inversion stopped doing their food bank, we called you up and said, hey, you know, we got all this food. We got to start doing something with it. So I am so grateful to you for allowing us to be able to come down here and to be able to um, start doing a food bank out of here. So thanks, bud. Appreciate it. So, you know, uh, you might not know this, but Castle Oaks was a part of helping Inversion get started. And uh, Pastor Paul helped mentor some of the team that was a part of that launch. They met there at Centennial Covenant. No, not Centennial Covenant. Yeah, is that right? Centennial Covenant. Um, And during that time, the food bank operated out of there. Mm -hmm. Scott and Lynn had been attending Castle Oaks for a while. And Right before the pandemic occurred, he came to me and said, hey, look, we've got some food. The food bank up there is shut down. It's just sitting. 
we would like to put it in the hands of hungry people. I thought, well, that's just genius. You have food. We have hungry people. We, we should probably get them together. Good idea. Yeah. And then the pandemic kicked off, and he said, what, what do we do? And I said, I don't know. What do you think we should do? And we both said, you know what? Now it feels like a great time to start a food bank. And so we did. The first Saturday after the pandemic was our first Saturday. Yeah, it was March 21st. Yeah. Yeah, of 2020. So, yeah. So we'll be coming up on our three-year anniversary here. And um, it's just been amazing to be able to work with all you folks. Um, can we do this real quick? Yeah. Can we just see um, the number of people that have um, either contributed or volunteered um, for our food bank over the past three years? Can you just raise your hands real quick? We have a lot of the volunteers here um, today that... Um, have helped us out. We know that you guys have contributed um, for the um, coat drive, for our annual garage sale, and things like that. So um, we're just so grateful to all you guys. So thank you so much for all you do. And even yesterday, yesterday we had um, our regular food bank, but on top of that, we also fed um, about 50 people um, a Thanksgiving meal that... Um, we were able to put together, and the cool thing is we had six of our what we call guest celebrity chefs fix us um, turkeys and um, bring them over yesterday, and we were able to serve all those folks. on top. And we also had 60 people we fed um, through the food bank alone yesterday, which was probably our second or third highest number. So the, uh, the need is still growing. So. And so the people that you're helping, what are the circumstances that they're in that make the food bank... Um not just a comfort, but a necessity? It's challenging. There's um, usually three different reasons, and one of them is a, a health issue. You know, a lot of people um, will be doing really well, and then all of a sudden they'll have a very serious health issue. Another one is a relationship issue, where all of a sudden, you know, they're um, splitting up of a family and things of that nature. And then, of course, then there's the job issue. So those are the three main ones that... Um, that we try to help out. When people come, they come um, in need of food, but they also need a feeling of uh, being a part of something. So whether it is um, our volunteers that want to be a part of something or um, the clientele that come, they just want to feel a part you know, that, that they're cared for. And we love that part of it. You know, we feed you know, their bellies, but we also hopefully feed their souls. So when they all line up outside, um, we give them numbers, and um, we start with number two. And then we ended up yesterday at like 53 or 55 before I lost track. And then I come out um, right before we're about ready to disperse the food. And I always say, ladies and gentlemen, we're about ready to start. We're going to start with number two because God is number one. And when you put God number one in your life, your life will change. That's incredible. That's good. Yeah, yeah. And so we've seen pictures uh, here in the church of, of our lobby uh, and cafe area set up with a, an incredible amount of resources. Where do you get the stuff that you're handing out to the people who come to the food bank? We are so blessed because we have um, connections here in town. Um, we have the King Supers here in town um, that help us out. In fact, um, yesterday, the gentleman that um, is the receiver came to um, check out 
um, the food bank for the first time. And so uh, Manny came over with his wife, and he was able to walk in and see all the folks that were, um, all, first off, all the food that we had out there. I mean, as you can tell, the tables are just overflowing, and that was actually a slow day in those pictures up there. So that was a couple of weeks ago. And yesterday, we had so much meat, it was unreal. People were getting um, 10, um, 15 pieces of meat to take home and such. So um, that's one of the things we never know what we're going to get. You know, the, the meat thing is you know, sometimes it's here, sometimes it's not. Um, but we try to always provide someone food. And as you can see up there, um, over the past three years, we've served over 100,000 meals. And that, to me, just blows my mind. Incredible. So, yeah. And so as you're giving out the food, as you're helping meet this need in people's lives, what do you have a sense that as you fill this gap, it feels like a small gap, maybe a trip to the grocery, that sort of thing. What is it meant for the people that have been participants, your clientele? I'm going to try to follow along with that question because that was a little over my head. Um, I, I have a sense that when the folks come here... Um, they may not necessarily be in dire need, but they're in need. And um, we always tell them, come here and get your food for free since you're in this situation or whatever it may be. And we don't ask. That's one of the things about crops is we don't ask any questions about the people. We don't necessarily um, want to care or judge in regards to their circumstances. We just want to help them through that. Um, and we also don't have a limit to the number of times these folks can come here. Um, so I always tell them, come here and get your food and take the money that you would be spending on food and apply that to your housing situation or your car issue or maybe even um, your health insurance or medication, things like that. Um, that to me is like, some people have said that, well, our food bank has been contributing to maybe the homelessness here in town. And I argue and I say, no, our food bank is doing the contrary. We are preventing homelessness. We are providing um, food for folks free of charge so they can spend their money on their housing. And it makes a difference, I think. So when you think about your budget, you think about the way you operate your budget, there are a certain number of fixed expenses. And those fixed expenses are going to deeply affect the quality of your life or maybe the circumstances that either worsen or stay good or maybe even get better. It's, it's your, your rent, your mortgage, your insurances, your car payment, those kinds of things. For your, your vehicle to not get repossessed, for you to be good on your rent, all those kinds of things. So for most families, if they find themselves in a place where there are these things that I need to pay, then this variable expensive food might be the one that they choose to skimp on or maybe pay less for so that they can keep their home. And we'd much rather have them do that than uh, put themselves in a predicament where they um, may be evicted from their home or... Um, because sometimes if you're evicted, then that becomes an issue if you're going to um, be able to lease again um, or rent again from another uh, person. So that's a challenge because some of the folks that come to our food bank, um, they say that they're unrentable. So we have uh, quite a few of our clientele that um, live over at the OYO. And um, they just, because they have an eviction on their on their history, they're not allowed to rent again. 
because a lot of people um, frown on that. So it makes it difficult. And then they're paying, you know, three times as much. Well, maybe not quite that much, but a lot of money to live in a hotel um, than it would be to live somewhere else. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's the most expensive rent in town. It is. It is. So as the clients have come to the food bank, they've brought uh, other needs with them. Scott and Lynn have seen those needs. And so it's not just a food bank anymore. There are lots of other activities that you guys have engaged in just to help meet the needs of the people that are coming. And so I'll show you a few pictures. And why don't you share a little bit about each one? Okay. So yeah, as you can see here, we have our um, quarterly dental clinic. And the Martinez Dental Group comes here um, every three or four months. And they will look at the folks that um, have a need, a dental need. And I remember a couple of years ago, we had a gentleman named Scott that um, he needed to have basically his entire teeth replaced and had no means of being able to do that. And um, he, would, he would never smile. I mean, he would always kind of talk with his mouth closed kind of thing. And um, he was quite shy. And they came in and they saw um, these guys here and, and uh, they made arrangements for an entire set of tinctures for this gentleman. It's incredible. So if you can tell that's our conference room, prayer room. If you are in there with the meetings and what have you, you, you may not want to use that table anymore knowing it was a dental <laughs> workspace. But that, you know, I mean, we, we sterilized afterwards. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, all good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so not just, uh, how many of you participated in the coat giveaway and you brought coats in for the, uh, for the crops crew? Let me see your hands, see, raise them up. How many coats did you give away? We, had, we gave over 200 coats away in two hours a few weeks ago. And at the same time, we had our dental clinic there at the same day. And then the remaining 50 coats that we didn't have did not go to waste. They went um, to an organization up in the Denver area that was able to disperse those as well. So we have some um, amazing hearts as part of our volunteers that um, really want to make a difference, not only in Castle Rock, but just in the world in general. And so um, it's amazing. We are, we are so grateful for you folks um, to, for providing these coats for us to be able to help others. So thank you for that. And so the families have their needs, but they also have pets that they're part of their family and their, their fun and their love. What made you want to venture down this road to have a veterinary clinic? It was interesting. We were actually sitting out here, and we were having one of our meetings about the planning for the new facility. And all of a sudden, it struck me, and someone introduced me to Dr. Kathy. And um, it's like, this just needed to happen. For a lot of the folks that come to the food bank, um, they're usually single and some of them are older, where maybe their pet is their only family. And so we thought to ourselves, um, we can't let these pets not be taken care of as well. So um, Dr. Kathy set me up with a lady named um, Dr. Lisa from the Pet Cross. And I had no, no idea what to expect when um, Dr. Lisa said that she was going to come down and, and look at the, you know, take care of the pets for us. So we get down here one day, and all of a sudden there's this unit right here, and this is like top-notch unit, and she has a, um, an examination room and everything. And we got to go inside, and it just blew me away. So um, she goes, be prepared, because you'll probably have more pets than you expect. And we did 13 dogs and one cat in an afternoon, and um, I was so grateful to her and for what she did. Um, 
they'll do only good foundation made a contribution to her to help support her what she did so so it's pretty cool that's incredible yeah. and so december uh lots of things thanksgiving of course the big deal as the food bank is in full operation but what's coming is uh the, the shopping event for the food bank clients and other people that show up for it tell us a, bit, a little bit about this and how it works We've been blessed again with the support of um, Castle Oaks and all you folks that uh, we put it out there and you guys provide. And it's amazing how it works out. So um, Lynn and I and the whole crew come in and set up the tables and we roll them in from this storage over here and set them all up. And uh, every table is used um, and then then chairs and everything else. And um, it just overflows. You guys are so generous. Um, it, I'm probably, I would imagine a noise everyone in the office that we have all the toys piled up there, but um, it happens and um, we get them and uh, spread them out and then we allow the folks to come through and uh, pick up the toys. And then um, if we have toys left over, uh, we get them to the Douglas County um, Police Department, uh, Castle Rock Police Department, and they are able to disperse the rest of them. And so if we would like to help this year, when's your deadline? Uh, we're actually doing the event on the 17th, so that's... Um, coming up faster than you would think it um and so if you can have all the toys here by the 16th that would be awesome so yeah. um, we have a couple special requests and things so if you um feel in your heart that you uh, want to do something special just let us know and we'll point you um point you in the right direction on that great and so you want uh gently used toys new toys some household goods mm, okay uh, we, at this point, we're not picky. You, know, so, you tell us. Yeah. You tell us. Yeah, so yeah, so, we haven't uh, gone shopping yet. We'll go get whatever <laughs> okay. you want. Alrighty. Okay. So yeah, um, if the gently used toys, new toys, um, uh, new clothing, um, things of that nature. Um, I, I'm afraid sometimes to put it out here because this church will overwhelm me. I mean, it's, you guys just do it all the time. So um, yeah. So those are the things that we're looking for. You know, yeah. uh, we had uh, we had brand new bicycles to give out last year. These are brand new, nice, high-end bicycles that we were just so blessed to be able to give away. It's great. So, yeah. That's yeah. very good. Okay, excellent. And so uh, you had some celebrity chefs uh, some, do some Thanksgiving meals. Some other cooking has gone on. Um, tell us about what we're seeing here. Well, um, all three summer um, holidays, we prepare meals for the clientele. So we have Memorial Day, Fourth of July, and Labor Day. So we're cooking, whether it's, um, we have burgers on that one. Um, we've done um, pulled beef um, burritos and, and um, barbecue stuff. So we do all that kind of stuff. And then you'll see the lasagna up there. Um, that was leftover from our wedding reception. Because we had our wedding reception um, uh, six months later than our wedding. Yeah. And it was right out here in the entry area. And... Um, Lynn and I cooked so many things of um, lasagna that we thought that it would, you know, we'd feed everybody. And, and then I have, this is what I call, I call this a philosophy. Okay, this is, one, this is yeah, a philosophy. He goes, if you're going to invite your family and friends, I think you should also invite others. So um, we invited um, and prepared the meal for um, all the clientele again from our leftover lasagnas and things that we had uh, for those folks. That's great. So That's great. I love it. You said something about like, you know, invite others to the party. So exactly. that's, that's what we did. Right, yeah. right. And then uh, the garage sale that you've had now, two of them. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, there again, you guys totally overwhelm us. Uh, look at that. I mean, there's no way that we could get rid of all that stuff in one afternoon. Uh, you guys just blow us away. So um, we give out and we let people just come in over and over again. Um, and they are filling up their vehicles with stuff. Um, and then if there's stuff left over, it goes up to Goodwill. You know, and, and sometimes it's been two or three you know, vehicle loads up there. Sure. So, uh, again, we thank you guys over and over again for that. And this one is actually um, a fundraiser for us. This is the one that we've actually started a couple of years ago, and we don't really have fundraisers, so this is the one major fundraiser for us. Some families you've been able to help pretty significantly. Here's one in particular. Tell us the story. This is interesting here. Um, these guys were the managers over at the OYO, and um, OYO got bought out. And so they basically um, lived there. They were on-site managers and lived there. And they um, had come to the food bank, and they also made it possible so that if we needed to put someone up there, they would help us out um, doing that. And that happens occasionally where people come to us and say, hey, you know, um, our car broke down or whatever. Can you help us out for a night or so? And we do what we can. Um, these guys here um, didn't have a car, lost their job, and they lost their place to live. And the only thing they had going for them is that they had found a job up in Michigan, and they were looking for a car. And I would bring over um, the, some of the food from the food bank. We take over to the Oyo afterwards. So we bring over like some um, danishes, um, some, like last night, some prepared meals, some fresh salads and things, and we bring them over. And so I got to know these folks, and they told me that, well, they're looking for a car. And they were telling me the cars that they were going out and seeing for the, for the budget that they had. And um, I just knew you know, God was speaking to me. And this lady here, is a, she actually has her a master's degree in philosophy and theology. So she is smart, um, and she has gone through a lot. And then Michael, her husband, is going through cancer treatments and such. So um, I had just sold one of my other cars and made a profit on it, and I said, you know what, I'm going to just um, help these guys out. So we came down, Lynn and I came down one day and pulled this car up, and um, I go, you know what, you guys should tell me about a car need that you have. I don't know if this vehicle that I have out here would work for you guys. And she came out, and she had the biggest smile on her face. I mean, she was so happy. I mean, look at that smile right there. I mean, she was just overwhelmed. And they got in the car and just drove it around, and they just had a blast. So um, it's just been great, you know, um, amazing that God has made it possible for us to do these kinds of things. So you may have picked up on this. Uh, for Scott and Lynn, this is a lifestyle. Um, it's not uh, something they do on the side. This is who they are as people, and their whole family's involved in a lot of ways, and a lot of their friends are involved in many ways. And what we love about our relationship, not just with Scott and Lynn, but with Do Only Good and with Crops, is that we get to lend our resources, your resources, to their efforts, and it multiplies what they're able to accomplish. And so I, I know that, that Scott has said it many times, thank you, but we want to do this because it impacts people in our community that are our neighbors. They are our friends, and they're people that we rub shoulders with every day. If you have not been here on a Saturday, 
to see uh, the crowd that comes in or the variety of people that are connected to the needs that they're meeting, um, it's a great place for you to be reminded of what's happening right here in Castle Rock and communities that are connected to us on the peripheral. And so we're grateful for you. You, you, You've said thank you many times this morning. We're grateful to be partnered with you. They are they're one of us, and they are invested in the Castle Oaks Church, and we're grateful to know you. And so if you would like to get involved, uh, um, they're here. Just hit them up. And uh, th- this is on your screen. If you're watching online, you could scan that QR code if you like. Um, you could call our church office. You can drop an email at, to info at castleoaks.org, and we'll get you connected to Scott and Lynn Um, Let me just take a moment and and pray for uh, their ministry and both of them. Lord, we love you and we're grateful for the way that you have allowed our paths to cross and for our relationship to deepen with people like Scott and Lynn and their whole family. And we pray that we would have uh, some of the burden that they feel, uh, some of the compassion that they feel to the needs that are around us. And Lord, may we take that burden May we take that empathy and, and put legs to it. May we put our resources to it, our energy to it. May we meet the needs around us in ways that exhibit the power of the gospel, changing lives, changing circumstances, helping people find a bridge from uh, one difficult time to a maybe a a season where their needs are met. Lord, this is what we ask for. And so we pray that you would guide Scott and Lynn as they lead these organizations. We pray that they would find other partners as well and that resources within our church body would be mobilized to meet these needs. We're grateful for them and for the glimpse that we've gotten today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, would you thank Scott? Who they are and what they do, it's a, it's a big deal. And we're grateful to be connected. And it didn't happen because we set a vision forward and said, you know what we need here at Castle Oaks is a food bank. It's because Scott grabbed me in the hallway one day and said, you know, we could do a food bank. And I said, nah, I don't know. No, I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> but we watched the circumstances begin to play out and just said, yes. This is exactly what's happening with the organizations that we've highlighted throughout this series. Some have been uh, major, incredible, multi-million dollar circumstances that are created in our community and in this little corner of Castle Rock to see incredible needs met. And our hope, our hope that we're trying to recalibrate, it becomes a part of who we are when we remember and we grow and we participate when we set our ego aside. Look, we are not stay-at-home moms and teachers and engineers and accountants who just happen to do those things. We're not. We're followers of Jesus who happen to be stay-at-home moms and accountants and engineers and all of those things. And if you want to have hope growing in your life and if you want that hope to be infectious and change the lives of people around you, It will happen when you participate in activities, organizations, 
endeavors that are changing lives one at a time. And my hope is that through the Christmas season, you'll do that. It can happen at work. It can happen in a brief conversation in your neighborhood. It can happen in some small way. It could be that God has gifted you with the resources to make a massive difference in many people's lives. But my hope is this, is that we, while we tune what we want and what we hope for, while we adjust these things, that God will place needs in front of, it, in front of us and we'll rise to meet them. And when we do that, God's kingdom grows. And what Jesus said is true. These scriptures have become true. They are fulfilled through what we do. Let's pray. Lord, as Jesus said these words in Nazareth, we recognize that, that we are his hands and feet today. And Lord, sometimes when I look at my own hands and my own feet, my own resources, I recognize uh, that they are feeble and inept and lack many resources. But Lord, when you pull us together two and three at a time, you do incredible things. You accomplish so much through our open-handedness and through our humility, through the resources we push to the center of the table to say, these don't belong to me anymore. Lord, use them how you would will. And so, Lord, today we ask that you would move in us and move among us. That you would give us eyes to see the way Jesus saw. That we would have hearts of empathy and compassion. Lord, we believe that the gospel is true. That Jesus came to conquer death. That we would be freed from the slavery of death. That his kingdom would come. Lord, you... You said through your son that we have been given the keys to the kingdom. So may we use those keys to open doors. To show mercy and love. Grace and forgiveness. May the compassion that flows from this church family. Overwhelm our neighbors in such a way. That they can only look to you with gratitude. And as God has said, place you to be number one. Lord, this is our hope. May our hope be aligned with the words that Jesus spoke in his hometown synagogue. And may this story of the gospel be obvious through the way we live our lives. And now, Lord, may these lyrics ring true. In the name of Jesus, we say together, amen.